Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 231. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty good. This week on a special spooky Halloween episode oh, of the God. show, we'll be talking about 80s horror. My favorite decade of horror. We got reviews of From Beyond, Night of the Comet, The Boxer's Omen, and Society, along with a bunch of other 80s horror gems on the watch list. We'll also be talking about some movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. How's your Halloween, Kevin? Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yours? Uh, good. I mean, lots and lots of 80s horror movies. That's what I've been packing my holiday weekend with. I hope that I still have candy left for tomorrow. (laughs) I eat so much of the trick candy. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I already know one kid told me he's dressing up as Slender Man. Nice. Which I found out, Slender Man is like pretty popular among kids. Yeah, it's a it's a meme. Like, like, well, my nephew, he's like three. He's all into Slender Man. No, there's like they they have games. There's a lot of YouTube videos and stuff, and of course there was those uh, famous uh, stabbings where that one girl yeah. stabbed. The other girl. I have no idea what Slender Man is, but kids fucking all over Slender Man. It's creepy. If you look up the the history of Slender Man, it's very creepy. How how it all started. I mean, it's uh, it started with just photographs that ended up on, I believe it was 4chan. These intensely creepy photographs, and then it just kind of went on from there. But uh, yeah, Slender Man's pretty interesting the games aren't very good i don't know i'm not big not into the games they're a little too simple gotcha. uh, a little bit of housekeeping really quickly before we get into it uh two two quick things one ryan watches a movie will be returning uh s- several people have been asking me about when it's coming back it's, it's going to be soon we've been running into some scheduling issues mainly that i work till late in the evening at my day job and Ryan does not want to record on Sundays because of football. <laughs> so we're Jeez. trying, we're trying to work it out. But it's I promise you, I promise you, we will be returning with new episodes of Ryan Watches Movie very shortly. Second thing, I ordered some new recording equipment this weekend. So I'm hoping that my acoustic issue with my new apartment will be resolved once I get my new microphone and soundproofing setup. Uh, that also means that Kevin will get my hand-me-down mic. So Ooh. hopefully there will be some improved uh, audio on Kevin's end as well. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Uh, all right, let's just dive right into our first movie. I was thinking we could... Do you want to do chronological order? Sure. All right, let's start with, with Mo, a.k.a. The Boxer's Omen. This is a Shaw Brothers film. Yeah. Now this was uh this was on your suggestion. Yeah. I'd never even heard of this movie before. I've been wanting to see this sucker for a while. This came out in 1983. This is directed by Chi Hung Kwai. Uh, I have a synopsis here. While in Thailand to avenge his brother who was crippled in a fight with a corrupt Thai boxer, a man gets caught up in a web of fate, Buddhism, and black magic. <laughs> one one thing that really surprised me because I didn't I didn't really I just went into this completely cold. Knew, knew nothing about it going into it. Uh, and in the first scene, who pops up but Bolo Young? Yep. Bolo Young I, is in this. I was not ready for that either. 
Did not know that. And as soon as I saw him in the ring, I was like, yes, Bolo is in this. Uh, I so. wasn't, I, I was, I kind of went into this cold as well, except for I did watch like the trailer, just bits and pieces of the trailer before. I knew that it was supposed to be crazy. That was the main reason I wanted to see it. I, that's what I, that's really all I knew going into it as well, is that I heard it was batshit. And uh, it is. It is. It's yeah, a no. lot of things. No, I saw I saw your review on Letterboxd. You seem to really be into this, so we'll. we'll oh, start I'm with super you. into it, and my review on Letterboxd doesn't even get into all the things that you see in this movie. Yeah, so it's, it's so many. It's like one of these, uh, like the kind of classic Chinese ghost stories, but it's amped up to eleven the entire time. Oh my! It's, it's really, so really intense, and it's very, very strange. Very bizarre. And the whole story just really doesn't make sense to me. Well, no, because that was one thing, because I thought I maybe I missed something. But so this guy goes to avenge his brother, but then he just gets completely sidetracked by yeah, this. Because there turns out to be something much bigger than just this boxing fight. Like, and also, why does he have to avenge his brother? Like, why is that such a big deal? Because they broke his neck, man. It wasn't a fair fight. People should have been watching his back. I guess that's why he. he I guess he feels responsible, because his his team should have been watching out for him. They knew Bolo was bad news. Yeah, I agree. So he goes to Thailand to fight Bolo, and he he does challenge him, and that's all good. But then he gets sidetracked by this glowing kind of GPS signal that guides him to this Buddhist temple where they're like, hey. You got to fight darkness. You have to fight the evil. The evil's coming. You have to fight it. So he's like, all right. And so he just becomes a Buddhist. He throws away his entire life and well, becomes a Buddhist. I also just love the fact that the he and he's told this by a, a decomposing body. Yeah, he, he, it's, uh, an abbot, it's an abbot. It's an it's an abbot. An abbot that died like a year ago. He has to break open this urn and. The abbot essentially is like, hey, you got to fight this darkness because we were twins in a previous life. And uh, if I if my body decomposes, you die, which seems like this guy is like, you know, close to 30 years old. And you're just finding out about this. Like It just seems very odd timing to just all of a sudden this this no name from Hong Kong. It's like, hey, by the way, uh, you're responsible for all of the lightness in the world. Yeah, and you have like two weeks to prepare. Yeah, you have two week, two weeks prep time on this. And I just love that he's like bullshit. You, you're calling out bullshit to a half decomposing <laughs> monk that's talking to you. I also, <laughs> like, <laughs> that takes some balls to I just also, be like bullshit. I also like the very specific time that he gives him. Like he knows exactly. He's like six months. Like that's that's how much you. That's how long you have to live. You have six months. Yeah, which he died a year ago. And he's been in that urn that whole time. Like, you could have given him a heads up earlier. Like, why'd you wait until six months? Yeah, give him some prep time here, guy. I mean, they they go through a pretty stringent uh, training process here. Like, <laughs> Which is, and everything gets ridiculous. Because it is unbelievable that he's just like, all right, throw everything away, and now I'm a monk. Yep. And he just, I mean, he, he was really bummed. He, he was really bummed out about the hair, having to cut his hair. <laughs> That's the only thing he cared about. 
like living in Thailand. I just the abstinence I love, thing. Yeah, I love the fact that he's not concerned at all that there's a decomposing corpse sitting lotus style talking to him. That doesn't freak him out at all. The fact that if that body decomposes, he dies as well. Doesn't that doesn't really phase him too much? Like nothing really phases him until they're like, "Well, you have to shave your head." He's just like, "Oh God, damn it, damn it!" I love the there's this weird humor in this movie. Uh, and I don't know if it was a, a, like tr- a tr- subtitle thing, like a translation thing, but some of the dialogue was really funny and <laughs> it was very contemporary. And just like the demon, like when he fights the demon, some of the stuff that the demon said was just really <laughs> funny. It was. It was. And yeah, and that's when things just get, when the black magic shows up. That's when that shit person. gets really weird. Oh, when they throw back to that first, you know, he kills that that bat thing. And just the effects. The oh, effects yeah. in this are terrible. They're absolutely terrible. Well, some no, of them. I think yeah, some of them guess, were. Yeah, I guess you should say it's the, about 50-50. The creature effects, yeah. the bats and the spider. The spiders are really bad. But <laughs> he used <the>, sprawls. <laughs> he used sprawls at one point. That, uh, uh, that's bad. The, the spiders and the bats are are bad but there was some stuff like there's a there's a point where the demon rips his own head off and yeah that was like that insane. that looked pretty cool especially when like its tendrils were wrapping around uh the monk and and trying yeah. to suffocate him and stuff so it's a bit of a mixed bag i would say with the effects work yeah but even like the stuff that's so bad i just there's so much creativity to it that I oh just, yeah i don't care i don't care yeah, I, I liked the scene with the spiders drinking the poison through the straws. <laughs> like, it was just so it's so goofy. Oh God! And I gotta say, this movie was really, really gross. I mean, yeah, it's disgusting. Really over the top, gross, which I wasn't expecting. I Man, I see a lot of gory, gross movies, but the uh, there's there's one scene that happens later on where there's these other. Uh, I guess they're, what are, I don't know, practitioners of black magic, and they're in the process of resurrecting another demon. And yeah. the whole prep, the whole prep scene where they're doing the 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 procedure of resurrecting this this woman is horrific and disgusting. It's, it's so disgusting. The they, guy, he he puts up that little banana. And then he peels the banana, and he throws the banana away. He eats, the banana peel. He eats, <laughs> he eats that banana. shit. And he's already put like seven other different things in his mouth that are just disgusting. And he eats all that shit, and he chews it up, and then he spits it out onto his like little platter, then hands it to the guy next to him. And I just, for that like instance, where he's like handed it over to him, like, please don't you dare put that in your mouth. <laughs> and then he proceeds to just, the whole pile of shit just puts it back in his mouth. And you know that shit was real. Like he, it was seen. Oh, yeah, there was no cuts. There was no cuts. And you're just like, wow, they got someone to do that. Yeah, it was really disgusting. And then there was also that in that same scene, they cut. It was like a chicken, and then they cut like a piece of the chicken off of it a was live like, chicken. They, I don't know what they cut off like a chicken butt. That, or that's something. what it I don't know. What, I don't know what that was. I don't know if that was. They I, cut I, that off and ate it, and it was like, oh my god! My my uh, my hand anatomy is just it's not it's not good, but it's something <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> and they're I mean they're just eating insides of stuff. 
I I want to know how many people got sick. Oh, so it was yeah, it was really gross. It was really really gross. And not not only that, but just a lot of the other kind of insides and guts and things that they showed in this were really horrific looking. Uh, it, I can't describe it. You would have to see it, but you know, a lot of movies have blood and guts and stuff, but in this movie, it just, it looked like everything was made out of yogurt. So there was yeah. this like kind of milky creaminess to it, but there was also like black chunks and things. Yeah. And it was just so uh, like gut wrenching. It was disgusting. I was not prepared for it to be, I know, you know, I was prepared for it to be bad shit, but I wasn't expecting just the gross out factor. Yeah, I, I wasn't I prepared threw up for that either. Times. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. Do not eat while watching this. Yeah, oh boy. And it's not like it's violent. I mean, there's violence in it, sure, but it's not the, it's not violent gore. It's just really nauseating visuals, yeah. like. The cutting open of the al- uh, the crocodile and pulling out all the guts and then putting the corpse into the guts. And the- when they cut open that bag thing that was sealing the corpse in, it was covered with the maggots. I was just yeah. like, oh my god. Because I think a part of it is because you don't, you're not 100% sure what's actually real. And yeah, what's you don't know. Because that looked real. I mean, that. Because, that- yeah, you have a guy that fucking ate, a th- cut off a chicken butt and ate it. And then you had him eat a bunch of other shit and spit it out, and the guy next to him ate it. And it's like, well, hell, if they're doing this, they could be eating all this other stuff. All this other stuff could be real. Yeah. There's no limit. I was trying to figure out if there was any animal killings in this because there was there was the chicken thing, and I, I, don't, I couldn't tell if that was real or not. That, that looked pretty real. It looked real. Uh, it may have been. Just beheaded that chicken and just poured blood all over those yeah, croc skulls yeah i think that probably was real i mean i'm not r- upset about it or anything they were probably going to feed that chicken to the crocs anyway yeah so like, i mean i'm not offended by that or anything but uh, but there is there is still. a certain point in this movie with the black magic stuff that you see kind of like the craziness to it that you like it becomes quite clear to you there is like okay this movie could go anywhere anything could happen Anything is possible in this movie. Yeah, it's one of those movies where clearly the director was like, you know what? He he set it up so that he could literally do anything, and yeah. it, it would not it would not feel out of place. And my, my favorite part is like halfway through his first fight with the darkness, boom, wins pretty easily, handy defeat, goes back home. Yeah, <laughs> you're like halfway through the movie. He just I know. I was back. like, I, I was like, where are we going here? Because he <laughs> just, just like, kicked the guy's ass, and now he's done. He's like, I'm not a monk anymore. Yeah, you would think and... that the the abbot, you know, the decomposing body guy, he would know a little bit more. That he would have like given him a heads up, like as he's walking out the door, like, hey, hold up, yeah, they'll be back. Yeah, you're not done. There's like three other uh, warlocks that they're gonna come for you. So don't do anything stupid when you're back at home. Keep training instead of, you know, sleeping with your girlfriend instead. Yeah, but, I mean, give him the warning. But I also thought it was funny when they asked him multiple times and he just kept lying about the abstinence thing. I just, that's what I love about this guy. And he's like, no, he's like what did you want me to do? He's like, <laughs> I know. Like, you at least got to give him one, right? Like, he beat darkness for you. Yeah, exactly. Come on. You got to at least give him one. But I love the fact that he's calling bullshit on a decomposing corpse. The only thing he's really worried about is losing his hair. 
he beats Narcus. He goes back home. He just ups and leaves. He's like, I was only doing this to he, like he invested a lot of time in becoming a monk, and then he yeah. was just like, whatever, going home. And I also love the fact that he's not really like visiting with his brother at all during this time. <laughs> like he doesn't give a shit about his brother, and his brother's paralyzed. And then he gets he has to come back. He's called back into action because of the other guys, and he just straight up lies to the Buddha. He's like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, it's just the fact that he's like. I think I'm going to get away with this. Yeah, the fact that he... Because he, <laughs> he knew the test. So basically, at the end, you you do your vows and you have to um, confirm or reaffirm to Buddha that you have a, you, you abide by these laws. And there's a, a set of candles. And if you lie, one of the, the candles will go out. And he went through that test the first time. So he had to know that he was going to have to do it again. But he was still like, yeah, I was absolute. <laughs> and then immediately the candle goes out. And they're like, all right, get out. <laughs> I love how quickly they kicked him to the curb, too. They were like, all right, see ya. You lied to Buddha? All right, see ya. I know. It is just, oh, my God. It's just, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. And then, you know, the resurrected demon comes back and... She gets even crazier. Yeah. Like, they go to Nepal, and oh my goodness. We got that shitty croc prop coming after him. He's <laughs> like a hungry, hungry hippo, some shit. She gets her skin ripped off. Mm-hmm. And then just, it's almost like the scene from Possession where she just, blue blood just gushes from her. Yep. Oh my goodness. There's so much going on here. It's a crazy movie. <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know if this, I would probably consider this a hidden gem. This is it's incredible. It's just yeah. it's so fantastic. That's so, just so many things. And yeah, it just definitely. doesn't stay it's I mean it's relentless. It just keeps going. And they just keep doing crazier and crazier things. Yeah, it's pretty great. It is it's it, I didn't think I was gonna like it actually, because I, I don't know why. I just I expected it to be more of uh just kind of a ghost story. And it was and, and also I'm not a huge fan of just really kinda out there. Yeah. horror movies like the just random bizarre stuff but this this really did it for me this one this one definitely worked so let's go ahead and give the boxers omen aka mo a score what are you gonna give it out of 10 good like a nine nine and a half Ooh, wow very Love solid it. i'm gonna give it uh I, I didn't like it that much i mean as much as you so i'm gonna say seven and a half on this one for me so definitely check that one out Let's move on to 1984. Sorry. Oh, I just I want to point something out to you real quick. That letterbox review that I wrote, and then uh, this guy named Cliff came in and he was like, "Oh, black magic movies." Gave me a you know a thing with other black magic. There's a movie called Calamity of Snakes. Oh yeah, I saw that. Calamity of Snakes. Is that not the best title? It's, it is the best title. We we didn't mention there is a scene where he vomits an oh, eel, which is. This is fucking incredible. <laughs> and it's a real, I mean, they don't, it's not always a real eel, I don't think. Maybe it is a real eel the whole time. It certainly is towards the end. Uh, yeah, it might, I don't, I don't know if it was like at the very beginning there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was at the, the beginning. Eel there. But when it was just a little bit, you're like, he has a fucking eel in his mouth. That's what I mean. Like, these people were dedicated. I mean, <laughs> they committed to this thing. Yeah, and it just true. blows my mind that they, that, I mean, like, if, you could have like Werner Herzog call me up right now and be like, Kevin, doing this movie, I need you to either eat a banana peel that's already been eaten by someone else, or 
you got to have an eel in your mouth for just a little bit. I'd be like, no, thanks. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care how much you pay me. I ain't doing it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's move on to 1984 with Night of the Comet. So this is written and directed by Tom Eberhardt. Uh, I have a synopsis here. A comet wipes out most of life on Earth, leaving two valley girls to fight the evil types who survive. The evil types. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. <laughs> Uh, this stars the Catherine Mary Stewart and Kellen Maroney. I'll be uh, mentioning Kellen Maroney later on in the show. I saw another movie of hers this week. The Zero Boys. The Zero Boys. Uh-huh. So I'll be coming back to her. Night of the Comet. Okay, so I saw this for the first time a couple of years ago when Scream Factory released it on Blu-ray. They remastered it, released it on Blu-ray. It was one that I had always wanted to see and... When I saw it and rewatching it today for for this uh, for this episode, I love this movie. I just I love Night of the Comet. It's so strange. It's it's like a comedy. It's like a horror comedy, I guess. It's not super violent or gory or anything like that. It's PG thirteen, so yeah, it's you know not it's pretty tame as far as the gore factor, but it is so. 80s and that's that's what i love it i love 80s horror movies and just 80s movies in general that that really embrace the decade and even though this came out in 84 it it was just everything from uh, one of my favorite parts of this is the scene in the uh the radio station just how that radio station looks with like the purple grids and the neon and it's like wow this is definitely the 80s well also too just like man the the decor in that radio station, like they spent a lot of money. Like that bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> like the purple sink and yeah. That's ridiculous for a radio station. So basically what happens in this movie is uh, a, a, there's a comet that passes over the earth and it happens to kill everybody. So it, it leaves off some sort of gas or something. But it they don't it doesn't make a lot of sense really. No, they don't they don't explain <laughs> at all. And even the comet passing like everyone like that's such a non-event where it's just like it's kind of like oh here's the, the comet and there's yeah, a the, couple of shots of the sky where the sky the, turns like, colors and yeah and there's like these neon strobes going there and then then it's just like wake up the next morning there's clothes everywhere and there's little piles of red dust. Yeah, some people get vaporized and turned into sand and. Other people get mutated and turn into sort of zombie ghouls. Yeah. And it's like, it's like two people, really. It happens to like two people, they turn into zombies. Except for the whole team of... Yeah, I mean, it's not... I wouldn't call it a zombie movie by any stretch. It's more sci-fi, I guess? I don't even yeah. know. I don't even know how I would classify it. I would say I, it's more of a sci-fi I would say movie. it's more of a sci-fi just because of the whole think tank. yeah. Because it's just really them going up against the think tank. Yeah. So basically, it's these two sisters that uh, survive this comet. And they are basically trying to figure out where to go and what to do. And they realize that there was this uh, think tank that was out in the desert. And they think that this think tank is trying to to help people and figure out what's going on. Because I guess the comet left some sort of airborne... I don't know. Which, it, which, don't... which it is funny. Yeah, it was it was something with the gas because it was funny when she she pointed because you were thinking like how did they get affected and she's how she points out that they just left the air ducts open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> which is hilarious because it's like, yeah, I could see that happening. Some dumbass just left left the air ducts open. So there's there's a few interesting hooks with this. One is the whole think tank thing. I think that introducing the think tank and then what their kind of ulterior motives are. Yeah, it was a really that, interesting hook with this. I thought that that was really well handled because at first they just give you that the one woman is suffering and she's kind of hiding it, it seems like. So you just think that, okay, everyone else is good and she's just the one hiding it. Mm-hmm. That she's actually affected. Right. And then the way they play that out, like when, you know, they go to to, to save the sisters, I thought right. that, that was well handled. It was a nice misdirection there. And the, the one think tank scientist is played by Mary Warrenov, who was in Eating Raul and Death Race 2000 and House of the Devil. She's a bit of a horror movie icon, so it was always good to see her in there. She was in Chopping Mall, too, in, a, in one scene, and Chopping Mall happens to be another one of my favorite 80s horror movies. She's Kelly Marini's in Chopping Mall, too. Yep, yep, she is. Everybody's in all these movies. Yeah, yeah. They, they re- recycled a lot of the same actors in, in these. Because even uh, Beltran is in Eating Raul. Mm-hmm. Eating Raul is fan, fantastic. But anyway, getting back to this movie, the other thing that I really liked about it was the, was the fact that the, the two female leads were strong female leads. They weren't, uh, you know, sniveling, helpless just, little girls. I just wish they did more with them because they were such cool people. They I like. They had a really good dynamic. They they felt like they were sisters. You know, they bickered, they argued. Yeah, but and they just they had such a nonchalant attitude. Yeah, they just they did. They were just so tough, and that that was what was so refreshing about this movie is like when uh when when Catherine Mary Stewart's character first encounters the zombie, you 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 think because at the at that point you don't really know like you you've just been introduced to the character, so you're still learning who she is and everything, and all of a sudden she kicks his ass, and you're just like, whoa, all right, and and you knew that that Kelly Maroney's character Samantha she was. She was a little bit of a firecracker too, considering that scene at the beginning with her stepmom. How she, her stepmom punches her in the face, like yeah, full on punches stabbed. her in the face, and she's like, whatever. Yeah, she just shakes she just, that shit off. She, yeah, she don't give a shit. That's what it, like. I mean, they. I just honestly, I wish they did more with them because for the first hour, nothing really happens in this movie. But I did love that they're they're just kind of hanging out and then cut. The immediate next scene is them shooting Uzis at a car. You have no idea how they got Uzis. They just had all of a sudden they have Uzis. But I, I like how they complain about them too. Yeah, they like they know Uzis, and these are not because I think I don't know what they actually are because she was saying they're Mac tens. Yeah, I think so. Like they were Mac tens, and they said they should have been Uzis, or maybe yeah. vice versa. Like they know more about guns than we do. Yeah, and she's just she's just letting go. But still, ripping they just, into that car. Yeah, they're fun- just not doing. They just didn't do much. I, uh, if I remember correctly, on the special features, there's a there's a making of on the Blu-ray, and, and Kelly Maroney talks about that scene and how the gun jamming, like that, was not part of the script. That, like that was actually happening to the prop gun. So they just ad libbed that whole thing. Nice. Yeah, great scene. And and that's the other thing is the I liked the the dialogue in this movie. I thought it was was really well done. Uh, it made me. It, it still makes me laugh on rewatches, and I think that the dialogue is a lot more clever than what you might expect from a movie like this. Yeah, 
know, this is this is something because this is what I thought after I was done watching it, or just about done watching it. I'm thinking like you could actually remake this. I think I would actually if if it was done right, you could have a really solid film here. I I sort of to me, agree. there's just there's just not. I just wanted I wanted them to do more. I just wanted them to be more of you know some more badassery in there. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate that that I feel like there could have been a sequel to this, you know, and showed showed more of them being badasses in yeah. this world. But I did love the ending when they're when they were waiting for the light, and Samantha just loses her shit. <laughs> yeah, that was a great that was a great way to end the movie too. The with when when she when that guy shows up and just yeah, it's a great great way to end it. Um, getting back to the whole. 80s theme of this that's the one reason one of the few reasons that i like this movie so much is that it it pulls everything that you know about the 80s into one movie and there's several movies that do this but you have the arcades because Catherine mary stewart's character regina she's she's like an arcade freak she's playing tempest nonstop. which, which i don't understand because she gets so worked up about dmk being on the number six spot which i love that the end of the world the first thing she does is yeah Tries to beat the score, which she does beat it, and she puts Reg in. But at number seven is Reg. Like mm. DMK would just drop down to seven. Ooh. You wouldn't. You wouldn't take him the whole way off. That's a yeah. That's a plot hole right there. So I got to take points away for that. I'm sorry. That's that's a goof. So you have the you have the video games. You have the arcade there. You have the music. There, there's a lot of really corny '80s music in this, which I love. <laughs> Which yeah. is, is another thing that I like that they they didn't turn off the music at the like that shit would have irritated me at the when radio station. Yeah, they just kept it on there, just like it was. Well, that hand. that was one of the things. Remember, Samantha hated the music that they played on that radio station, so she changed it to her own music. She she decided to pick what she wanted them to play because she hated the stuff yeah, that they. Yeah, but played I think after a while, you would just be like, I can't do this right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, according to the synopsis, they're valley girls. So, but they're not though. That's the thing. They're not. They're not yeah, typical kind of, valley girls when you hear that term. Yeah, they're not at all. They're blonde and they live in the valley, but that's pretty much where that uh, where that stereotype ends. Yeah, there is a great scene in, in a mall too. Another classic eighties <laughs> bit. You gotta I have did, a scene in a mall. I did love that that they're just like because at the, a certain point, I'm thinking to myself. Are you guys going to do anything like at all outside of just hanging out on that sectional? Samantha just is pounding beers. I don't know where she got the beers. <laughs> I guess they picked them up at the store with the Uzis. And then all of a sudden they're just like, let's go to the mall. And there's just that whole montage. And it's like, all right, they're finally doing something. Cool. Yeah. And then those stupid assholes show up, which made a hilarious shootout. Just ridiculous shootout. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I just I love the cuts of the mannequins. It's just very slow cutting to all the mannequins. <laughs> just Regina stand like she was taking that because Samantha. I mean, this is a ballsy move. She tracks their attention by throwing shoes at them. Mm-hmm. They have automatic weapons. Mm-hmm. She's throwing shoes. Okay, Regina's in the perfect spot to shoot them right in the back. After you know she's putting her life out there throwing shoes at these guys but regina doesn't regina takes that time to run around the mall to find her perfect spot to pose like a mannequin 
that's what she decides to do. It's always so, it's, it's something she's always wanted to do. <laughs> I guess so. She it didn't. Just had to do it. it didn't. It didn't work in her favor though. I think she got too caught up in the mannequin pose. Yeah, I think so. I thought there was going to be more interactions with people like that in the movie because really yeah. that's the only interaction with kind of the rioters or you know survivors but in this world that gang's leader is something else <laughs> i just love it because you get the you're crazy which is such a weird line to just yell out and that he yells back i'm not crazy i just don't give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> uh, no he was a he was affected by the the cloud the gas as well yeah. so maybe that but then, him. But then you have hector just hector comes back in a santa suit <laughs> It's like it's L.A. And he's like, I'm going to come back in the sand suit. The girls are going to love this. They're just going to love it. <laughs> They're not going to find it creepy or anything. No. That's, the, that's the other thing is this is kind of a Christmas movie, too. Yeah. Uh, Night of the Comet. Uh, the the Blu-ray is really solid, too. I would recommend picking up the Blu-ray. My favorite thing about it, I have to give, is that they do they do a really good job of like it looks like they're in a post-apocalyptic. Yeah, world. there's like there, the, the way the sky looks and everything. Yeah, and they talk about that in the special features of the Blu-ray too, like how they were able to, because you know this is a very low-budget movie, and how they were able to quickly shoot the outside locations uh, and and make it look like nobody was in the city. All right, so what are you gonna give? I'll I'll do uh, since you did the last one, Night of the Comet. I'm going to throw this an 8 out of 10. Um, I'm going to give it like a 6, 6.5. I'm going to go 6.5. It was fun. I did have fun. I love it. I just wish there was... It feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah, they could, like they could have done a lot more. They absolutely like could, have. could have been just fucking amazing. Yeah, they could have done a lot more with it, but there's just something about it. There's just this, think, well, this cleverness it, to it that I, I like. I think it comes down to Regina and Samantha. Yeah. They're such great characters. I just wish... You want more? I just, yeah. I needed them kicking more ass, is what I wanted. Yeah, I think uh, I think we could all use more of that, less of the think tank. Less of Hector going back and not pulling the trigger on that kid. Like, blast that kid's brains out. <laughs> Hector, come on, what are you doing? He's got to throw in that corny, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> like, oh, you're so 80s, Hector. Oh, Hector. <laughs> Uh, all right. I would also love the fact that, like, he when he leaves to go back to his mom's house and stuff, he still takes the truck. Mm-hmm. Like, there's cars everywhere that you could just take. And he's like, now nah, I'm going to stick with my truck. Yeah, he's a stand-up guy. Not when he comes back, though. And I love how he also yeah. comes, like, he comes back as Santa Claus, and then he's like, oh, fuck that. I'm going to be a cowboy now. <laughs> like, he's just like, I'm trying out every persona I can. Uh, why not? I, I would. Why not? I, I, I probably would, too. You can be whoever you want to be. I know. Movie. That's what I mean. Like, I would have been doing so much more instead of just hanging out on a sectional. I, I would have been racing cars, just shooting up stuff. Well, this was right at the beginning of the apocalypse. So I'm sure that, you know, they, they did a little bit of it with the mall. And I'm sure given more time with them, we would have seen more of that stuff. Yeah, true. No. All right, let's move on to 1986 with From Beyond. This is directed by Stuart Gordon based on the H.P. Lovecraft short story. 
I have a synopsis here. A group of scientists have developed the Resonator, a machine which allows whoever is within range to see beyond normal perceptible reality. But when the experiment succeeds, they're immediately attacked by terrible life forms. Uh, this stars Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton. This is, the, this is the first time I've ever seen Barbara Crampton in an early role. Yeah. And it, when she first showed up, I was like, she looks really familiar. That has to be somebody. Uh, yeah. Because I'm used to seeing Crampton now. It's the first time I've ever seen 20-year-old Crampton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interestingly, I, I realized that I wrote a Grindhouse Weekly article on this one way yeah. back in 2013, I think. And I reread it after I, I rewatched this. And it was just, it was so bad. It was just so bad. And I regret it. And I almost unpublished it. I almost deleted it. But I was like, no, what? No, I'll forget it. I'll That's just why you don't it. read them. That's why you don't read them. Don't ever read them. That, that was my mistake, yeah. Don't ever read them again. Going back and reading an old review. Uh, so, because I wrote that, we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of From Beyond? From Beyond was, oh, man, this was so great. This is just, I don't, it's bizarre because there's a lot of gross shit in this movie. And the effects work is incredible. Mm-hmm. With some of the, I mean, some of the stuff is just disgusting. But it's, I don't know if it's the 80s thing, or it's just like the structure of it and the, the characters and the dialogue and stuff. But it's just, it's it's a comforting movie. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know how to explain that. But as, shoot, as soon as Jeffrey Cove shows up, first thing I thought was, damn, your sweater looks super comfortable. <laughs> and I'm just like, I want to hang out with you guys for the next hour and a half. And especially when... When Bubba Brownlee shows up. Oh, yeah. Three. As soon as Bubba shows yeah. up. Oh, my God. And those three go back to the house. I'm like, I am in for whatever you guys want to do. Like, let's just do it. Let's hang out. I'm here. And then shit gets crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I watched this immediately after the Boxer's Omen. And then when I watched Boxer's Omen, I was like, oh, my God. A guy vomits up an eel. That's fucking insane. Yeah, there's some there's some really gross and then shit he, he does the, He turns the resonator on and this eel bites yeah. his face and i'm like damn eels i guess that was a thing in the 80s people are all about eels yeah they were gross and creepy yeah they are and this people should bring them back because they're they're bizarre they're bizarre creatures yeah i think i think we do need to see more eels in movies that specifically eels attacking people or coming out of people's mouths <laughs> just coming out of places you wouldn't expect eels to be I now this is so. This is this is directed by Stuart Gordon. Have you seen? And it's based on a, a Lovecraft story. Have you seen Reanimator? I have. I have not. Mm. Which I was going to try and cram in there. Yes, because this, I also noticed that the writer is Brian Usna. Brian Usna, yeah, who did Society. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think you should definitely see Reanimator. He made Reanimator right before From Beyond. So okay. he's he's just coming off of uh, Reanimator. There's a lot of similar themes in Reanimator. Uh, one, probably the biggest, the key difference is that Reanimator has a lot more humor in it. There's yeah. there's a lot more comedy in Reanimator than in From Beyond. But you have a lot of the same cast members: Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton. So okay. and it, and it's sort of the, a similar thing too, where it's a group of scientists trying to do an experiment. Yeah. Which is always good stuff. Oh, yeah. Just scientists trying to do things that they shouldn't do. Always entertaining. Yeah. So in this one, the big the big thing is, so they set up this 
experiment to stimulate the pineal gland in the brain. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, their goal is to uh, open a window, sort of, to yeah, the, a, the, the a dimension thought, that the is... The thought is that the pineal gland is like the third eye. Yeah. So they can see this dimension that is happening all around us. It's within our own, but we can't perceive it yeah. because our, our pineal gland is not large enough or developed enough. And that's yeah. what this resonator does. Stimulate uh, that shit. But it turns out that the the world that's living on top of ours is not very nice. It's pretty gross. There's yeah. f- flying yeah. eels and jellyfish with teeth. and Yeah, it is odd that they look very familiar to creatures that we have in our universe. Yeah. I think that was like a, a slight missed opportunity. Should have come up with a little bit more creativity there. Well, the main, just... I mean, the main guy. So, so one of these scientists that is sort of the, the, the leader of the group, he ends up getting killed or so they think, but it turns out that he goes into this dimension. He is transported to it, or at least his head is. Yeah. And, once he comes back, oh. uh, <laughs> I'd say there's a fair amount of creativity within his yes. uh, oh, whatever definitely. they've done to him. <laughs> it's still it's still interesting to me because I don't know like what killed him. Like was it that creature that he became? Because they don't really show that. They just yeah something the way that because they show his body and how his head looks like it was twisted off because like yeah. the, his neck stump is like all it's twisted. So something, maybe he tried to go in, like maybe he tried to go into the world himself. And when he stuck his head through, it pulled, popped it off. I guess. I don't know. It could have been. But that's also, well, no, because Combs says Crawford, Crawford says that it ate his head. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's, there could, there could be completely, there's other creatures because there's the one in the. The worm thing in the in the water. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, so there's other there. There's probably all kinds of nasty creatures. I just I I'm just so I'm really interested in this other world. Like, what that worm down in the basement? What's what's he do all day? Like when he's in his unit. Like when the worlds don't collide, you know, or cross over. Like, what's he doing? Probably Is he just, just like hanging out. Probably the same thing that our earthworms do. They just squirm around and <laughs> that one looks carnivorous though yeah so he probably eats other smaller creatures yeah probably those eels and jellyfish i mm-hmm. guess probably probably yeah but this is from the mind of hp lovecraft so and a lot of his things are tied together so maybe this was like a cthulhu type thing maybe there's well i also was just wasn't i wasn't expecting it to be like so like heavy on the the sex yeah, like yeah. Tower, it turns out, like it's all about like Petorius is this like weird creepy dude. Yeah, he's like a sex fiend, and yeah. apparently the, the apparently the pineal gland is tied to sexual arousal or sex drive. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> Ken Fury just comes out and he's like, yeah. explain that boner I got. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> oh, Bubba. Uh, but then it it, it also kind of has it's almost an addictive thing too, because yeah. after Barbara Crampton experiences it once, she wants to do it again and again. And that's where things kind of go haywire. Yeah, it's basically she, just she a leather fetish thing going. Yeah. Just to step back uh, in, in the plot a little bit. So uh, 
Jeffrey Combs is the assistant of the guy who gets his head bitten off. Uh, he tells the authorities exactly what happened. Of course, they don't believe him. They throw him into an asylum, and that's where he meets Barbara Crampton, who it, she believes him. She believes what he's saying is true, and she decides to get him out of the asylum and prove his innocence by recreating the experiment. Yeah. And then we have Ken Forey as a, uh, he's a police officer who is assigned to kind of guard Barbara Crampton, make sure that Jeffrey Combs doesn't get all weird and try to kill her. Yeah. And things, things go horribly awry. Horribly wrong. Especially for Jeffrey Combs. Poor Jeffrey Combs. Poor Crawford. I mean, well, the I guy. Feel, I, mean, I feel bad for Bubba too, because but and Bubba too, yeah. The thing that's weird about Bubba's demise, because I mean, let's face it, you knew Bubba was going to die. Of course, yeah. Um, I don't know what was like covering them. I don't know what those were. There was. They look like fruit flies. They were like fruit flies. So Crawford's completely covered in them. Barbara Crampton completely covered them, and they're covered in them for a while. And Bubba's trying his best to like help out. And then through like some weird accident, he drops his flashlight, which apparently attracts the fruit flies to him. Now move out of the way. <laughs> like where that, but also the fruit flies were on Crawford for a long time, like an extended period of time. And he just kind of got like bloody. Like they just kind of like bit off like the tiniest, thinnest layer of his skin, and he's just kind of bloody all yeah. over. Bubba. They're on him for like five seconds. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they just... eat down to everything. Like yeah. the bones are gone. All of his guts are out. And you're just like, why Why was there a discrepancy there? Like what's 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 the difference between Bubba and Jeffrey Combs that they can be on Combs for like 10 minutes and he just gets bloody and they're on him, Bubba, for five seconds. And I don't know. The entire structure of his body is gone. Maybe Crawford had... Maybe he was more powerful or something, and he was able to fight them off because he had the enlarged pineal gland. True, maybe. Maybe, maybe there was something there where he was able to f- fight back more than Bubba. I, I do love when they go back and there's the chalk outline of Bubba, and it looks so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And yeah, this movie just gets it gets weird. It does, yeah, especially towards the end and yeah because and it starts, i don't like mutating like, and i didn't quite understand the the pineal gland on combs i mean that was pretty oh my god the scene <laughs> the scene man. when he ends up back at the so basically they are able to escape and jeffrey combs ends up in the hospital but by this point his pineal gland is so enlarged that it actually breaks through his forehead and it's like on the stalk and there's a scene where I guess they think he's dead or not dead, but gravely injured. And they're trying to, I guess, extract it. But there's a doctor that's trying to pull it out and it keeps moving around. <laughs> it's the grossest thing because it, it looks like an asshole on his forehead. Yeah. Yes. With this weird like micro penis that comes out of it. Yeah, it is. And it just, well, her reaction to it too. She's just like, it's it's like she's seen it before. Yeah. Like, it's not she's just like i gotta get she just has a scowl she's just scowling at it yeah and then she just gets like pissed off and frustrated like god damn it i can never get these things and then just (laughs) leaves. and it's like you should be like taking pictures documenting this like yeah this is a big deal this this is a huge deal yeah like you have to get this ready for a medical journal 
But instead, you're just like pissed off and like, oh, I'm taking a coffee break. I'm just going to leave this guy unattended in a room. Later on, there's a scene where Barbara Crampton actually bites the pineal gland stalk off of Jeffrey Combs. And the sound that it makes when she bites (laughs) it off is so horrific. You're just like, oh, God. I also love the fact, because this is one thing, there's a couple of things that make sense to me. Number one, that the pineal gland also made you crave brains for some reason. I thought that that was odd. That just makes you eat brains. I gotta say, his method of brain extraction was probably the most efficient one I've ever seen in a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Normally when you see zombie movies and stuff, they're, they're trying to go in through the top. You know, they're trying to crack the skull open. But no, Jeffrey Combs is like, no way. I got a better way. He well, suck he's, out, a, he, he's a scientist. He goes um, in through the eye socket, sucks out the eyeball, and then gets the brain that way. It's just, it's funny that he does that. And then I also love that, like, when they cut to him seeing from, I guess, like, the pineal gland, the third eye, like, changes your perception. And I love that it just, it's just, everything just looks shittier. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's worse. It's the, it's like the, um, like the heat. What do, you, what do you call it like the heat vision where you can see how hot things yeah. are like like but, the predator vision like the predator vision from like a sega genesis though it's not even like legit it's like from a sega eight genesis bit. game it's like an 8-bit predator vision yeah and it's just like man you didn't you went through all that to get that and now you're just eating brains like this this sucks <laughs> <laughs> like, this just did not work out all right so that's from beyond final thoughts uh, I got really confused at the end because Jeffrey Combs gets his head ripped off and then he just pops back. Like he full, just full head of hair. He just rips out again. Of the, which that was that was something. That was actually pretty the, the birthing scene. Yeah, where he's just like and then he gets sucked back in and then his arm comes out. Like, damn, that was cool. Yeah. Very gross. But, but also like where the hell did you come from? He came from beyond. I guess. Came from beyond. I guess. Solid movie. I would say that I still prefer Reanimator over this one, but still a very enjoyable watch, and I definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it from beyond. Let's uh, give it a score. I'll give it. I give it like a seven and a half. I'm also gonna give this one a seven and a half. Solid, solid uh, horror movie with some very gross and very fun elements. Next up, we're talking about 1989's Society. So this is the the last one. Came just before the 90s. So this is directed by Brian Usna. I have a synopsis here. An or- ordinary teenage boy discovers his family as part of a gruesome orgy cult <laughs> for the social elite. <laughs> oh, my God. So I saw this movie not too long ago. It was maybe, maybe a year or two ago. And... I, I loved it so much that I rewatched it twice since then. <laughs> it is just uh society. What's what okay, so basically there's this kid, he lives in Beverly Hills. Uh he he doesn't quite fit in. He he doesn't know why, but something doesn't seem right. Does he's he's just not fitting in with his family and he slowly discovers that there's something horrific going on with with his family and some of the uh local uh, residents there yeah and it turns out to be something because the first time i saw this i i didn't know what to expect well that was the fun thing about this one for me is i knew that it was kind of 
weird. Like I heard that it was weird, but I, I had absolutely no idea what this movie was about. I didn't even read a synopsis before I started watching. <laughs> and I'm just like, and you know, and interestingly, like it takes its time to get to like the full on like horror portion. Yeah, that's what I liked about it though. Yeah. Same here. I mean, there's little things here and there that are like creepy, like visions that he has where he's like, he, and you know, off the bat that the kid's a little off. Mm-hmm. So you're just thinking like, okay, he's just having like visions and stuff and he's not really taking medication. And there's just some weird thing, like the twisted bodies where like mm-hmm. the top portion is it's just, it's just bizarre. And I, I just kept sitting there thinking like, where are they going to go with this? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Cause it's really bizarre. And then when they get to the thing, oh my God, oh my God. Cause I remember... <laughs> And I, this is something that I love about society because the the opening credits are fantastic. Mm-hmm. The song is bizarre and creepy. Mm-hmm. You can't quite make out the visuals, but you know it's something weird going. Like you can kind of make out some faces, mm-hmm. and it's just, you can tell that they're just writhing. Like it's just like a mass of bodies tangled and writhing together. But you can, you can't quite figure out what's going on. Right? Yeah, you don't know if it's. If they're like in hell, or if it's if yeah, like we you don't know what what that's all about. And it, it's so you get that right off the bat, which is just really creepy and unsettling. And then nothing really happens. It's just it's kind of like a high school movie. This guy's just trying to just trying to get along. You know, he just feels out of place. He's going to his doctor. He's trying to get invited to this party. Keeps having weird visions and stuff. You know, he's having issues with people at school and. And then when you get to the ending portion and you see what you saw originally in the opening credits, now you're seeing it in full light. You're just like, oh, sweet Jesus. That's what this was? It, it gets pretty fucked up. I'll say that. It gets really fucked up. But I love it. I love that there's this mystery element to it where he knows that there's something not right. You know, he has a buddy who is... Also letting him know like there's something not right going on here, there's something weird. And then you have this whole thing with his sister and talking about her what do they what do they call it? Her It's the coming out party. Yeah, I think it was like the her coming out party or whatever. And when he gets that tape and you're just like, What the f- what is going on here? And then finally it all culminates to this amazing climax where you're just like, holy crap. And it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and grosser and grosser as it progresses. So disgusting. Yeah, I think I'm trying to like, I don't want to give away because anybody like the other movies that we saw, that's okay. We can spoil them. But for this one, I just don't want to give that ending away for anybody that hasn't seen it because it's I want people to see it like how I saw it, knowing not yeah. knowing what was going going to happen and just the shock of yeah. what the fuck. Because you know it's gonna be something bizarre. And then you know, they kinda just they throw out the word shunt. You know, they're like, Oh, we'll have our first shunt of the night. And you're like, Shunt? What the fuck is that? What's a shunt? And then someone gets shunted and you're like, what the fuck? Who who thought that up? I just can't believe someone thought that up, yeah. wrote it, wrote it out on paper. Someone else read it and was like, oh, yeah, no, let's make that and show it to people. And th- this is why 80s horror movies are the best, because 
people you do have whatever. movies like society there's no other movie like society the you have movies horror movies that come out now they're either slashers or supernatural horror movies or found footage that's pretty much all you have. They all kind of follow the same formulas. But Society, you watch that and you're just like, what is going on here? There's nothing like this. It's completely unique. Yeah, it's, it's so bizarre. Now, what did you think of the uh, the effects work in this one? Wow, they were they were <laughs> impressive. Yeah, they, they went overboard with it. They uh, the, the thing that always gets me is the, the sliminess of it, how yeah. everything is wet. Everything is gross. It's it's just and there's slimy. I just the one thing that I thought was absolutely hilarious is when he's fighting um, Ferguson at the end, and he first he first kind of like he finally turns the tables, and he's he's in like phase one of shunt, (laughs) and Ferguson's mouth comes off of of Bill Whitney's face, and just the noise that it makes is hilarious. (laughs) Ah, man. Yeah, this is uh, this is one an '80s horror movie that I could just endlessly rewatch, and it just never gets old. And I just, and I like I have this goal to show everyone I know society. That's just some, I mean, it's the the metaphor that they're going with is it's not a metaphor. Number one, oh, no, because they just it's, they they openly say it. Yeah, so many it's times. very surface level. <laughs> They just keep saying it over and over again, and well, I mean, at first they're just kind of like they're tiptoeing around it, and you're, and you know, and it, there's a certain part of you that's like, I gotta give it to you that you were able to show some restraint and not just full out say it until like the very end of the movie when he just kind of just blurts it out there, yeah, to explain everything. It's like, man, you, you know, I thought you would, I thought you would cave and say that earlier, yeah. I love the the poster for this one, the one that's on IMDb. The girl ripping her face off. Oh, God. Uh, just amazing. I love society. Uh, all right. It's unfortunate because if you go to the IMDb page, like the photos. I know they give it away. They yeah. give they give at least an idea of what what's going on. Yeah, because they do it. They do a pretty solid job of not giving away too much until that huge culmination at the end where just everything goes out the window and it's just pure insanity. I would hope that even with those pictures on the IMDb page that people will still be surprised or shocked by what happens. Cause there's, there's some other things I did see. There was the one, there's one still image also of the dad, uh, something that happens with the dad towards the end there's a still of that that that's floating around too which is really unfortunate because that was a big shocker for me too i was like what uh my 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 society stars billy billy warlock of baywatch fame is that what he's from yeah it's funny because i'm just like the only thing i could think of the entire time was like i just know that everyone like every producer Direct, the director, everyone was just like, we need a Michael J. Fox type. We yeah, can't he, afford Michael J. Fox, but we need a Michael J. Fox type. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's definitely he's, Michael he, J. Fox type. Like, he's Michael J. Fox. There was times where I'm just like, this is eerie. You are so like him. Yeah. Yep. He's, uh, I, I first saw him on, I don't know if I've seen anything else that he was in other than Baywatch, but that's where I knew him from. Hmm. 
Wow, he's in a bunch of shit. Yeah, he's in a lot of TV. Wait, what? He was in a TV series from 1992 to 1993 called The Hat Squad. <laughs> Looks like he what? was in Days of Our Lives, too. What is The Hat Squad? The Hat Squad. <laughs> Please be about hats. Please be about hats. Be like Lidsville, but a crime show. Hat oh Squad. Oh, my God. All right, while you're looking that up, <laughs> let's give society a score. I'm going to say, I love this movie. I'm going to, I'm going to, this is an eight and a half for me. I'm going to give it. I give it an eight. It's just yeah, it's, it's it's so entertaining. Yeah, it is just so <laughs> out there. Straight up entertaining, and then you get to that end, and you're just like, sweet Jesus, shunting, shunting, fucking shunting, dude. So, wow. what did you? How did you feel about this week watching all these 80, 80s horror movies? I enjoyed, my, I enjoyed myself so much. I learned so much. It's just you know what I mean. Like, there's just something about the eighties. Like, I've never seen an eel come out of a guy's mouth before. <laughs> yeah, mean, it was, uh, it, uh, yeah, it was definitely, it was the best decade. Like, for out horror of movies. all the movies that I've watched, you know, from like 2016, 2015, 2014, nothing. No, nothing even comes this, close. Nothing's in the same vein of shunting. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing that people would <laughs> actually like okay and then film. It's just, oh man, something else. I don't, I think that modern horror movies are, there's a lot of great modern horror movies. There was a lot of great horror movies that came out this year. I I loved Lights Out and Don't Breathe, Conjuring 2 was good. And all these movies are great, but when you compare them to the hundreds, there are literally hundreds of horror movies that came out in the 80s that were fantastic. Well, I think the other thing too is you just don't get that mix of like gross out, Plus, the practical effects really help. And, and it makes them endearing. And also, they like these movies were fun. Yeah, that's the thing. That's exactly what I was just going to mention, is that in the 80s, you had the comedy factor, the fun factor, and the pop culture that was injected into all of these horror movies. And that to me, that's, that's where it you know, really sh- shines with, with this decade. And you have horror movies in the 70s and there were great horror movies in the 70s and even decades prior to that i mean those were kind of the building blocks you know you have your texas chainsaw massacres and your halloweens and those are yeah. all amazing texas chainsaw is still my number one horror movie of all time but it's like in the 80s they took those foundations and they just kind of expanded them and just made them so much fun i mean you have you know the birth of the slasher genre subgenre was in the 70s one could argue but they really refined it in the 80s you know with your uh friday the 13th and nightmare on elm streets and such yeah and i just think it's just such a like when when i was going through lists of horror movies that came out in the 80s trying to whittle them down and, and pick ones that we could talk about it was tough because there were so many like in just like I said, hundreds to choose from that would have been good candidates. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's just there's so many, there's so many, and then there's like going into this, I didn't know about like Hong Kong black magic movies. I didn't know that there's a fucking movie called Calamity of Snakes. Okay, see, and that's like a whole okay. area exactly that I'm, like that I'm not even familiar with at all. There's pockets of '80s movies that I don't even know about yet. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Calamity <laughs> of snakes. I just like the word calamity. I need to use that just more in my everyday That's what vocabulary. Who I mean. just trying to imagine what the snake situation is that you would use the descriptor of calamity. Oh, apparently. Like, what's what's it look like? What's the snake situation that someone goes, that is a calamity of snakes? I don't know. But I, I kind of want to see it. Apparently, there's a lot of uh, real-life snake killings in it, which I'm not a big fan of. But I want, I want to give you some more titles from here because there's also, there's also Devil Fetus from 1983. Hmm. I still picture that as a guy's face ripping in half. All right. Seating of a ghost, black magic with Buddha. That sounds like an instructional video. Yeah, it does. Oh my goodness. Calamity of snakes. Jesus Christ. Hell has no boundary. Oh, I forgot about that. Wouldn't the when he the boxers omen when they got that guy at the airport ever and he hit him with the Oh yeah. Thing, and he had the boils and everything and he was all green. And he was popping them? Yeah, that was amazing. That looked so good. That looked really good. Yeah. Really cool. Man. All right, so that is '80s horror. Just, if, if if there is in your in your lists in your various letterbox lists and everything, if if you notice that you don't have a lot of '80s horror on there, check some of these out. I would recommend all of these that we saw that we talked about today. Oh yeah, oh, and yeah. There's, there's just there's so many more. All right, let's move on. Do you have anything on your? I, only, I, only, I was only able to watch one other movie that was not 80s horror. So you want me to hit that real quick? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I watched D-Pan. Okay. The Jacques Odiard movie that won the Palme d'Or. It can. I remember being like kind of confused because they weren't really talking about this movie. And then, you know, can announces that Palme d'Or goes to D-Pan. And it's just like, wow, no one was talking about that movie. That's weird. <clears throat> so this is on Netflix Instant now. So I finally got to check this out. This movie, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. I don't know what it's from the start to very close to the end. It's just a normal film. It's just about this this quote unquote family. It's essentially this uh, Sri Lankan Tamil uh, fighter. He he leaves the army. This other woman finds a kid that doesn't have any parents. So they can make like a fake family and use these passports to, to go to France. So they just kind of act like they're family. They have this secret. And they're just, they're living in this rough part of France where he's essentially, he becomes like a caretaker for all these apartment complexes that are essentially run by different drug gangs. So he's just, and you know, they keep trying to make these connections of, you know, it's, they left one war zone and now they're in another one, but it's kind of different. So, but for the most part, it's not that bad, all right? But then at the end, just throw everything off the table. It becomes like a fucking superhero movie. Huh? He's just, he turns into this, like, super badass that he's got to save the day, and he single-handedly kills, like, the entire drug gang. Uh, And, like, the CGI they use in this is fucking terrible. It's awful. Like, out of nowhere, it just becomes this action movie. Where he's this, it, like, he sneaks up on a guy with a machete and, like, a screwdriver, takes him out, gets a gun, gets in a car, runs some people over, lights the car on fire, drives it into a building. He, like, slowly walks. He's just taking people out left and right like he's fucking invincible. And then it just ends, like, years later where it's, like, he has a kid now and he has this wonderful home. And it's, like, 
dude, you killed a shit ton of people. <laughs> like you were stuck in an apartment or an apartment complex. Like you only killed like ten people out of the drug gang. There was several more drug gang people. Like, how did you get out of there? How did no one like? Did anyone you know question you about killing several people? Like, how do you just kill a shit ton of people and then just next <laughs> the next sequence is? Hey, he's at his new house with his kid. Everything's wonderful. Yeah, it's that's just weird. so it's so bizarre. Damn. I don't understand it. It just gets really violent out of nowhere. Hmm. So that's deep hand. Palm door. Yeah. So I don't I don't know who made that decision, but I do not recommend deep hand. All right. Well, I saw a whole lot of 80s horror this week. I went overboard, one could say. Uh, I started started the week off with a movie called Video Violence from 1987. This is directed by Gary Cohen. It yeah, is a shot on video movie. I haven't seen a lot of these, honestly. Not a lot of shot on video movies in my uh, on my library or diary or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but this was because normally they're pretty bad. I mean, yeah. they, they look like shit, first of all, because they're shot on video. And... This one was actually pretty damn good. It was had a budget of nothing, of course, because it's shot on video. But the whole premise of it is that it's a husband and wife moved from New York City, trying to get out of the, the, the big the big bustle, hustle and bustle of the violent city. So they go to this small town, open up a video rental store, and things are kind of acting. They, they get this tape in, uh, in the tape return slot. And it's a video of someone being murdered. And it turns out that it was the the uh, postmaster of their town. Oh, wow. And so they go to the cops. The cops don't do anything. And they start, the, the owner, the, the guy, the husband starts to investigate what's going on here because things start acting very, very strange in the town. And he slowly uncovers that there's a cable access show where they... The residents of this town murder people on TV and they videotape it and then they rent out the tapes for other residents in the town. Yeah. And it's it's really fun. The the dialogue's actually pretty good. Some the, the acting is a little it's all over the place. Like the main the, the main guy it does a really good job, but everybody else is kinda like, eh, it's not not great. Uh the editing was actually pretty solid considering that this is straight to VHS and Apparently, I read that the the director had to edit the whole movie in eight hours or something like that, <laughs> and and uh, so it's actually pretty well edited. Um, the The only thing that brought it down for me was the there's extended scenes of it's kind of like torture porn in a way. So mm-hmm. you you see the videos that that these um, killers are making, and they basically show you the whole video. So it's not just snippets or him watching it. It's you see the whole thing. And mm. that's that's unfortunately a large portion of the movie and something I could have done without. But other than that, uh and and it's not that I hate torture porn movies or anything. I don't prefer them, but uh I was more invested in the video store owner trying to figure out what was going on. <sighs> so at any rate, video violence, uh it's worth a look. Uh I saw the Stendhal Syndrome. This uh, it's not an '80s movie. It came out in 1996. Oh, but, who gives a shit that? Yeah, this is an Argento film. 
I wanted to mention it because I really liked it. I never saw this one, and this is, I guess, one of his better movies, or largely considered one of his better movies. It's not my favorite. I think I don't think anything is going to come close to Deep Red for me, but uh, this was quite good. It stars his daughter, Asia Argento, and she is afflicted. She's a policewoman. She's hunting down this rapist uh, slash serial killer, and she tracks him down to uh, this, this museum, and she goes into the museum to try to find him, and she's overcome with something called the Stendhal Syndrome, which is actually a real affliction where you become so emotionally overcome by art that you basically lose com- completely lose control of your faculties. This sounds amazing. Yeah, so so she is so overcome by this art that's all around her that she starts to hallucinate, she passes out and then she forgets who she is. She gets amnesia. And in in her weakened state, she ends up getting kidnapped by the the guy and raped. And oh. and eventually she comes out of her state and it, it's just like one thing after another with this movie. It is crazy. Uh, it's definitely what you would think of when you think of an Argento movie. It's within that wheelhouse. A lot of people say that this is really the last great film that he made before he started going downhill. Yeah. And I would tend to agree with that. It's it's fantastic. So check yeah. out the Stendhal syndrome. That sounds that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, I think you would like it. It's 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 weird and the dialogue is horrible. <laughs> But I think you'll you'll find it to be uh, interesting. I saw the Zero Boys, like I previously mentioned. This is directed by Nico Mastorkis. Does star Kelly Maroney. It's about a group of uh, paintball enthusiasts who go for a retreat in the woods, only to be hunted by these rednecks. And it's sort of a slasher movie, I guess, but it's just not very good. I saw Opera. This is another Argento. This was. 1987 this one was really fucked up this is this is probably one of the most um graphic maybe maybe not it's definitely one of the most disturbing of uh the argento movies i've seen mainly because uh, it's about a killer who is stalking this uh young opera singer and he 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 like will he'll grab her and tie her up and then he'll murder people that she knows in front of her and make her watch And how he makes her watch is that he has needles on pieces of tape that he tapes to her, her lower eyelids. So if she she closes her eyes, it's, she gets the needles. Oh man. Mm. Yeah. So that's pretty bad. I saw the mutilator, which is a pretty typical slasher from 1984. I don't really have anything to say about it. It's a, a, probably call it a, a light recommend it has this really ridiculous theme song to it that it's almost worth you know I, i'd probably say just go to youtube and try to find the theme song because it's it, it's so ridiculous it reminds me of uh what's uh like empty nest it reminds me of the empty nest theme song uh yes uh, I hate it when I have a bunch of movies and you don't have any. Cause I, feel I know. Like, it does suck, doesn't it? Yeah, I feel like I'm just... I've never had it happen to me, but... <laughs> I feel like a dick. Uh, I saw The Windmill. This came out this oh, year. Oh, yeah. This the, is the re- talking about. Yeah, so the reason I watched this is because I literally just came back from 
spending a lot of time in Holland. So I traveled all throughout and this movie takes place in Holland. It starts off in Amsterdam and it goes out into the countryside and there's this ominous windmill and people are being killed by a, a, a supernatural demon like creature that resides in this windmill. It's pretty bad, but it was still fun to see the juxtaposition of what it's actually like there and what this movie portrays it as. Because when we went, uh, it, it's beautiful there. The, you have this lush green countryside with these kind of um, streams and canals that go through everywhere and lots of sheep and livestock just frolicking about. And it's just such a peaceful, calm wonderful yeah, place it sounds so picturesque it, it is it is and and then and it also uh it smells like chocolate because there's chocolate factories they make chocolate in a lot of these windmills so a lot of the small villages oh, and towns you, you go me? in they smell like chocolate <laughs> it's so ridiculous and then you have this movie which is very dark and uh grimy and it's it was, i don't know it wasn't bad. It was just, it wasn't great. I saw Sweet Home. This is from 1989. Uh, this is a really tough one to find. You you can only find this uh, on VHS. There's They never came out with this on DVD uh, or Blu-ray or anything like that. I don't know why. It's a Toho release, so it's, it's not like the company's not around anymore. Yeah. This is directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who... Uh, what? Is, yeah, so it's a name you know from... He did Cure and Pulse and uh, Seventh Code, which we saw. I think you saw that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Saw that a couple years ago. This uh, is about a documentary crew from a TV program that are going, they're going into this house that has been abandoned for 30 years and was owned by this famous artist. And they believe that some of his long lost paintings are in this house. Uh, but it turns out that the house is haunted by the, the, uh, the artist's wife and they get kind of terrorized by this, uh, this woman. It's decent. It's not great. It's yeah. interesting that they made a video game out of this actually called, it was called sweet home. It came out for the Famicom, so the, the Japanese Nintendo. It never came out in America. And it was sort of like a precursor to the survival horror video game genre. Yeah. And Capcom made the game, and they were uh, going to reboot it, and it, that turned into Resident Evil. So this, this movie slash game is sort of a precursor to Resident Evil. Nice. Yeah, a lot of the characters in this are pretty much the, the mirror images of some of the, the resident evil characters. So it's pretty interesting. Plus uh, Kurosawa actually directed the video game too, or he didn't direct it, but he produced it or something. So, hmm. but he later um, tried to get his name taken off the film because he thought there was too much studio involvement and that they fucked up, fucked it up. So butchered it. Yeah. I saw Waxwork from 1988. I also saw the sequel, but I'm not going to mention it because it's bad. What? What? How? How did you do this? I, I, I watched. I watched one or two every night. Did so you this lose your is, job? Did you lose your job? No, I'm okay. still holding on by a thread. <laughs> this is directed by Anthony Hickox. It stars Zach Galligan. It's pretty fun. It's a. Uh, about this strange wax museum that shows up in this uh, suburban town. And uh, it turns out that 
the the exhibits, the wax exhibits, uh, if you cross over the like the ro- the rope that is you know blocking them off, you actually end up in that real life scenario. Uh, it was all like horror things. So there was like a Frankenstein one, a mummy one, a Dracula one, and if you end up going in, you uh, you end up in that scenario. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was decent. The sequel is really bad. They end up going through time, and it starts off okay. So it starts off, they end up in, uh, basically, it's black and white, and they end up in a version of The Haunting, which was kind of cool. And then they end up in Aliens, the movie Aliens, which was kind of oh, yeah. cool. Not, you know, it was yeah. a, a riff on that. But uh, the way that they shot it, they made it look like, the same kind of cinematography and stuff. So that was kind of neat, but then they fucked it all up. And most of the movie is set in this like medieval time and it's just awful. So waxwork too, I would avoid, but you can get uh, these on Blu-ray. It's a double pack. So it's part one and part two. Uh, and Lionsgate released that on the new Vestron. Um, they're, they're like revamping or re-releasing the Vestron movies. Okay. Uh, yeah, they sent us uh, Chopping Mall and Blood Diner, and we reviewed those. They're, they're fantastic releases. So, hmm. yeah, check check those out because they got a bunch more uh, on the horizon. So, uh, the only other one that I saw, Tenement, Game of Survival. I like, I like you, know, you just said the only other one I saw. <laughs> After you just like yeah, ran ten. Like, it was ten. Ten. Uh, anyway, this is directed damn. by Roberta Finley. What's this movie called? Tenement Game of Survival. It's from 1985. Uh, it's it's a kind of action horror movie about this this gang of punks that are held up in this tenement uh, house in the Bronx, and they it's the last straw. They finally get kicked out, and they get sent to prison or they get sent to jail, but they get out and they come back to get revenge on the on the other tenants of the building and they basically just go through and systematically murder everyone in this apartment building until until the residents decide that they need to team up and try to take down the these evil punks how long does it take them to figure that out uh i mean uh it takes them a little while actually a number of people get killed before they finally band together and try to stop them uh it's it's fun it's a fun little uh it's I guess it's a horror movie. I, yeah, I would call it a horror movie. It's really violent, but uh, it's it's solid. And it's female director, so I, I'm always on lookout for horror movies directed by females because they always have an interesting voice to them. Yeah, there's one, another movie that looks kind of interesting called Lurkers. Lurkers. 1988. <laughs> a woman is haunted by flashbacks of her dead mother and visions of dead people floating. <laughs> I just I just like that. I wonder if that's all the dead people do is just float. Oh, maybe. And they're they're just, just, they just hang like, out. They don't do anything. They just float there. <laughs> they're just kind of like, oh, dear God, help me. I'm floating. <laughs> Please make this stop. <laughs> I get really bad for her to go. I can't take this. I've been floating for seven years. Please if end this. Sabru, please make it stop. So that was my Halloween a lot of really great stuff. Yeah, see, that's ridiculous. I was I felt so good about myself for watching four. No, I, I felt good for you. I, I think you like, did a really great job. I was like, fucking nailed it. Fantastic he's, job. He's gonna be so happy with me. Did a tremendous job. Tremendous. I was really glad you saw because because we were only gonna do three and uh, society was one that was like 
if we can fit it in, let's let's do it. Yeah, but which I'm glad I got that one in there. I didn't rewatch Society because I just saw that. A because of times, I mean, so. if I didn't, I, my my shunting ignorance. Yeah, just, it would have continued. Yeah, so I mean, I'm very which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I guess. Very glad that you were able to get Society in there. Uh, so that's Halloween 2016, solid year. I, I think we. I, I mean, we might even just make a thing of it. We might just do part two next year because there's just so much. I think we should because I mean, if you think about it nowadays, they rarely ever put out a Halloween movie on Halloween. On Halloween, yeah. That you could actually, you know, something that's actually relevant that we could cover. We we don't have that option, so we're, we'll go back to the '80s instead. Yeah. Because you can go back to that well year after. Oh yeah. Year. Oh yeah. You could just do it forever. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't even cover any of the big ones. I, I, I want to keep it kind of on the more, not not really obscure things, but just kind of on the fringes. Things that, you know, I don't I don't think we need to ever cover a Nightmare on Elm Street movie or. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, you yeah. got there's so much. There's so much, yeah. All right, let's talk about some predictions. Inferno. You said eighteen. I said forty-two. Actual twenty. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean i didn't think it was yeah. gonna be good but no i just i feel bad if that's something you did this weekend mm, yeah you know what i mean like you went well like went i said to see inferno like that's a bummer well like i said before i saw the i saw the first two and i didn't like either one of them so i, I, I don't know how they keep them. making them and they're, they're not good sorry I, I like ron howard i like tom hanks but these movies just are not good Wait, Ron Howard made this one too? Did he? I think he did, right? Oh, I just man, assumed. Ron, what are you doing? I just assumed he did because he did the other two. Uh, yeah. Yep. Mm. He did. He directed this one too. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. I figured, you know, that you know, once you get to like the third movie, it's you know, some guy that was like an AD. Yeah, but you probably couldn't get Hanks. Now, so. I, I doubt Hanks yeah, would have true. signed on for it. That's true. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so next week, got a big one. Doctor Strange. Okay. The new uh, new Marvel movie. I think that the reviews have been coming out for this already. Let's see what... We're sitting at a 93% right now. I was going to say, I think they've been generally good. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'll say... I'll say 86 on that. Okay, I'm going to go with a 80, 84. I'm excited to see it. It looks It looks good. A lot of good people in it. I'm interested to see what Scott Derrickson does uh, post-Sinister. Uh, let's see what else we have. Trolls. Uh, what are you thinking on Trolls? God. Um, uh, 50. All right. I'll say 64. And then we have Hacksaw Ridge. This is the uh, Mel Gibson-directed one. Okay. The war movie. It's about, oh, yeah. it's about a medic who doesn't carry a gun into battle. So mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield. I don't know what to think about this one, honestly. I'll probably see it, not in theaters. Yeah, I might check it out. Probably not. No, I'm not going to. I'm sorry. Why did I say that? I'm definitely not going to see that. So <laughs> <laughs> Just threw that out there for some reason. Like, yeah, I'll check that out. I know damn well I'm never going to watch Hacksaw Ridge. This is sitting at a ninety-one percent right now. Which is... I just I don't. I saw the trailer for it, and I just have no interest. It's not a good trailer. I'll, I'll give it. I'll, I'll say that it's definitely not a good trailer. That 
The trailer yeah. made me think that it looked really sappy and just I wasn't on board with it. Uh, I'll say 84 on this one. Mm, I'm going to go 80. All right. Uh, then we have Loving. Ooh. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I've been hearing about that movie for like four years, it seems like. Yeah, I think it uh, played the festivals. I'm finally coming out. Played every festival twice. Played played a lot of festivals. And, uh, as a fan of Jeff Nichols' work, um, I'm on board with this. The trailer looks okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's cranking them out. Yeah. Because uh, Midnight Special just came out this year. And Loving's coming out. I mean, he's he's got two movies that are coming out this year. Doing his thing. Getting it done. Uh, what are you thinking on Loving? Um, loving, I'll say like a 80, 86. Okay. I'll say 85. Okay. In limited release next week, we have Dog Eat Dog. That's the that's a Nicolas Cage one, right? Yeah, it's, it's a, a Paul Schrader. I was just going to say, is that the Paul Schrader one? Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I mean, it's probably going to be terrible. But it sounds interesting at the same time. Yeah, I might, I might have to give that a look. We have Trash Fire. Uh-huh. There's just, there's just something about the name Trash Fire <laughs> that, uh, that I like. Uh, I saw a trailer for this uh, a few weeks back, and it, it looks decent. I'll probably check it out. Uh, we have Rainbow Time. That's the Linus Phillips. Yeah, one. You know, he plays a guy named Shanzi. Shanzi. Developmentally delayed forty-year-old man named Shanzi. Yeah, I'm interested in that. Uh, Melanie he's, Linsky's in that too, right? And he's got a full-on bowl cut. <laughs> yeah, he's rocking it. I haven't seen that hairstyle in a while. Yeah, I'm interested in that one. We have Peter in the Farm. That's a documentary. We have the pickle recipe. I do not know anything about that. We have Off the Rails. That's a kind of an interesting-looking documentary about a guy who has Aspergers and is obsessed with the New York transit system, the the MTA, and he frequently poses as a a train conductor and will go will run trains and he he, every time he gets caught and he ends up going to jail and he was arrested like twenty six times for doing this. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it looks it looks very interesting. It also I'm imagining it's one of those docks where you're you're kind of coasting. Mm-hmm. The inherent interest in the story is probably going to be the kind of shitty die. I don't guess. know. It, it's got a good trailer and the, the the posters pretty cool looking. So I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful. It looks it's got a 100 percent right now. And the old Rotten Tomatoes, of course, that means nothing. Uh, Army of One comes out. I think this is already out on VOD. This is the one with Nicolas Cage and uh, uh, who's that that comedian. Russell, Mer- Russell, Brand. Russell Brand. Yeah, Russell Brand. It's Larry Charles movie? Mm-hmm. I've never heard a thing about that. Yeah, it's about a guy. It's like a modern Don Quixote about a guy who decides to go f- find and kill Bin Laden. That's, that's yeah, it doesn't look very good. Uh, My Dead Boyfriend. Uh, we have What Happened Last Night. The Shelter. <sighs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> got, mm-hmm. got a lot of stuff going on. Let's see what's let's see what's coming out on VOD next week. We have what is next week? Oh man, we're already in November. I know. Jesus. I know, man. Birthday's coming up. I know, mine too. 
We got Circle of Poison coming out on Wednesday, November 2nd. Then on Friday, we have Army of One, Peter and the Farm, Trash Fire, My Dead Boyfriend, Dog Eat Dog, and Rainbow Time. Rainbow Time. I'll be checking out Rainbow Time for sure. All right, Blu-ray next week. This is for Tuesday, November 1st. We have The Night Before. That's the one with uh, Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Anthony Mackie. I missed this one, but I'll probably check it out. It looks okay, I guess. My Blind Brother. Uh, that's the one with uh, Adam Scott and um, uh, Nick Kroll. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see that one. That one looks interesting, too. Um, what's your name's also in that? Jenny Slate. <clears throat> Anthropoid. Okay. Imperium. That's the one with Daniel Radcliffe. It was mediocre. Star Trek Beyond. I missed that one. We have Batman, The Return of the Caped Crusaders. This is the interesting one that is, it's voiced by uh, Adam West and uh, uh, Burt Ward. So the original okay. Batman and Robin are back to voice okay. this new animated uh, movie. Huh. And it's the, the animation styles, like done in old school animation style. Hmm, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I saw a trailer for it. It looks and it looks like it's really tongue in cheek. Like it's going to be really goofy, and I'm interested. Nine Lives, the classic Kevin Spacey cat cat one. Oh shit, that's the one that revolutionized cat cinema. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Turned it upside down. Yep. Carnage Subverted Park. everything that you know about cat films. Yeah. Carnage Park. That's the horror movie. That's uh, it's okay. And then the Sea of Trees. Okay, the Ocean of Trees. Any Criterions next week? We have zero Criterions. Thank you very much. Yeah, I didn't see any on the list here. No, but I think they're just getting ready for the next one. They're stockpiling it. Stockpiling it because the next week's... Oh, boy. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.